So the big question is this, how do investors like us get access to the ideas, information, and most importantly, the right people that give us the tools and information we need to make informed and educated decisions to have success? That is the question, and this podcast will give us the answers. This is Mark Moss, your host. Let's get this started. Welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors Podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Nye. He is a host of the Evolvement Podcast, um, Titan Ventures, and he has made a transformation from just being a content poster on Twitter all the way to building legitimate businesses in the crypto blockchain space. And he's done it through a very unique path that he's done on his own, traveling the world on his own dime to meet people, learn things. Uh, An amazing transformation, um, has so much insight because of his travels and everyone he's talking to. Uh, great conversation. So let's go ahead and just jump right into it. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors podcast. I am here with Nye today. Uh, he's been in the space for a while doing some big things and uh, we've, we've been able to keep up a little bit here and there. And I really wanted to dig in. He's got a really good story to tell. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with him today. So uh, let's just jump into it. Nye, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, bro. Glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, you know, we've been uh, we've we've kind of been keeping up in touch a little bit here at different events and, and talking here and there. I've seen you doing some big things in the space, uh, but for everyone who doesn't know who you are, why don't you give us a little background of how you got here and, and what you're doing right now? Yeah, definitely. So, um, in terms of my journey in crypto, I started kind of just as a trader, uh, trading altcoins and 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 trying to make trying to make money. And once I got a little bit deeper into <clears throat> Really, once I made like a, a decent amount of money, I, I was able to kind of relax a little bit and and uh, and look at look at my life and say, okay, really, what do I want to do next? And when I looked at what I wanted to do next, I said, you know what? Uh, I've been studying all these altcoins. I've been studying this 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 technology uh, just from the trading perspective, just from the fundamental perspective. Like, why don't I dive in and actually learn what the shit is about? Like, why this is important? You know, there's a bunch of people that are passionate about it. I know like a, a decent amount about it, like much more than your average person, but not to the degree where I could sit down and, and educate people on it. Um, so I spent a lot of time traveling. I spent a, t- a lot of time learning as much as possible, um, talking to as, as many intelligent people as I could, started a podcast to learn as much as I can, still learning a lot every single day. But uh, found myself just in love with the the concept of of what this whole industry is about, um, and specifically what Bitcoin's about, um, and the the mission that that it's trying to accomplish. Um, and yeah, that's led me to where I am today, which is running. Uh, I, I run a company called Titan Ventures. Uh, Titan Ventures has three separate wings. We have a media wing, which pretty much runs uh, uh, my my podcast. It, it owns uh, a couple other media sources. And then I have Titan Labs, which is the second wing of Titan Ventures, which is a startup incubator, which uh, is incubating a few of our own personal ideas right at the moment. And then we have Titan Charity, uh, where we've worked with uh, companies like Binance Charity and things like that to, to try and help and give back to the people that deserve it and need it. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Now, um, I'm just curious, you said... Uh, it's really cool to see how you came in as a as a trader. I'm just here to make money, and there's so many entrances into the space. Mine mine really came a little bit more ideology from the ideology behind it. But you came in from a trader, but then you got sucked in, um, and you learned what this big concept is about. So, what is that big concept that that you fell in love with? Well, for me, it's always been about uh, 
what can I do to impact like the people around me and to impact the the situations that are going on in the world? Like even before crypto, um, I've been very, very passionate about the the concept that uh, we, we really need to evolve the way that we're thinking. We really need to evolve the way that we're living in order to continue living on this planet for the next 50, 100, 200 years. Um, things need to change. Things need to be different. Uh, and so once I, once like I finally got the, the, the scope of what was happening uh, in terms of the, the fact that our entire monet- the monetary system is manipulated and controlled and specifically manipulated and controlled to gain more uh, financial uh, benefit for the people who already have a lot of money, which is really used to fund war and, and other negative things in, in our world that, that, des- that destroy our world. Yeah. Once I kind of got that and I saw how Bitcoin could potentially disrupt that, that's really what we, like the click moment for me, Mark. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're all we're all here together fighting the good fight, right? Uh, but I love it. It's a peaceful it's a peaceful fight. We're opting out of the system. So the reason why I really was interested to talk to you is because you came in kind of uh, like you know just just to make some money. You kind of started, I think maybe started just posting on Twitter, kind of your thoughts, what you're seeing, whatever. And now you've had this path to now being a builder in the space, right? So. Um, I love that, you know, we talked to a lot of different people in the space, investors or, or other people, but um, I want to talk to you just because it looks like, I mean, you're obviously proving that there are lots of opportunities for people to get involved in this space. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest mis- misconception, to be honest with you, is there... <clears throat> This is the opportunity I saw. I saw that as a trader, there was X amount of opportunity. You could make good money if you're really, really good at what you do. It's a volatile market. And and, uh, if you're great at it, fantastic. You can make a ton of money. Um, But if we're talking about like, like money is obviously a good thing. Uh, I think it makes it's it's good in the regards that it makes you like comfortable. But beyond comfortability, it doesn't provide other things like happiness, like legacy, like uh, uh, improving the, the the general scope of your life uh, beyond comfortability. So for me personally, like I'm really really interested in in legacy, in building something that uh, impacts the people around me and impacts. Uh, the goal or mission of of what we're doing in in whatever things that we're doing. So specifically right now in, in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency space. So as things evolved for me personally, I saw that there's a bigger opportunity to build things, build companies, build ideas, build concepts in the space than there is to make money trading. Uh, and you can also make money by building those concepts and building those ideas. Because if we are all correct here, and this is the next multi-trillion dollar industry, then you could be building assets and companies right now that uh, you might be able to build for 10, 20, 30, $40,000 that could eventually be evaluated at over a million, 10 million, 100 million. Um, so that's, that's really where, what my focus was. That's what I really realized early on. Um, and when people just like, like, like you said, like I just joined because people started to like my tweets, you know, and I just kept going because people were like, oh, this is cool. And I was really just my thoughts, my opinions and my jokes. And it wasn't until like a little bit later, like probably three or four or five months after I started sharing my stuff that I was like, oh shit, this can actually be built into something way bigger. Uh, and I just took the leap and started to do it. Yeah. So I know for the last couple of years, you have been like on the move, even today you're, you, you travel everywhere. So I, I, and I get asked all the time, uh, 
how could somebody get involved in the space? There's a lot of people like you and I uh, who see what's going on and want to get involved. And I'm like, well, you could build websites or do marketing or whatever, right? All these things. Um, so what would you say um, for someone who's looking to get into the space? I mean, follow your path, which is just get out, meet people, see what's going on. No, not necessarily, because I don't think that everybody is like that, right? Um, I'm really good with being in front of people. I'm really good with being in front of like the public eye. I'm just, I thrive in that situation. I thrive under that pressure. Uh, even when there's a lot of hate on me, like I thrive in that. Like that's how, that's what I like. I enjoy it. Because uh, it's it's kind of like that mentality of like, oh, someone says something negative about me. I'm just going to just work even harder and just stick it to their face even more. Yeah, uh, but not... Yeah, exactly. But not everybody's like that. Like everybody has different uh, goals and ambitions. And um, I think the first step is to like find the place where you're comfortable in. So when I was first joined the industry, like I was comfortable in trading. It was easy. I could stay anonymous online uh, and I could share my thoughts and opinions and, and do live streams with a mask on, right? Like that yeah. was comfortable for me. Um, and then I, then the second step is to find like what you're good at naturally. Like you probably have skills uh, that you, you've been utilizing before you got into crypto. Use those skills to, uh, to become, like to, to add something to the industry, right? So if you're a website developer, start reaching out to all these companies who have horrible fucking websites and just yeah. like offer your services to them, you know, build a brand that way. Um, and, and really that's, that's where, that's where it lies is, is you gotta utilize what you're good at and, uh, and yeah, give it to people. Just so do you think, it. uh, do you think since this space is growing so fast that, um, there's a lot of need for people that have specialty skills? So for example, um, as the space grows, they need to build websites. Um, and if there were people that knew how to build like crypto specific websites had domain expertise in crypto, they could probably do really well. Or let's say that I'm a copywriter, but now I learn all about crypto and I can write copy for crypto. There's probably big opportunities for me. Is that kind of what you're saying? 100%. 100%. I mean, there's big opportunities for anyone. Um, if you're like, the, I think first, like first step is you have to be passionate about this place. You know what I mean? You're not going to stick around for the long term. We've seen it in the bear market. So if you're, if you're passionate is the only way you're going to stick around for the long term. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I say, uh, I, what I like to say is that, you know, to be successful, it requires so much hard work. And uh, if you're not super passionate, you'll never be able to put the work in required to like get there, right? So uh, yeah, passion for sure. Follow that. Yeah, exactly. Like when you've lost fucking 90% of your money in the bear market. <laughs> yeah. And like it, like you, like the only reason you would stay around is to see through what's going on with this technology. So yeah, step one, passion. Step two, figure out what interests you. You know what I mean? For me personally, when it first started, like what interested me was like making money so that I could be a little bit more comfortable because I was in a tough financial spot. Um, and then once I had like reached that, the third step was like utilizing what I'm good at, what my talents are, what my skills are, uh, to add value to the industry and the people involved. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And I, and I would even encourage people that if you, if you're interested in something like I'm a good writer, I should learn about copywriting. Great. Take a course in copywriting and then go offer those skills to the market even, right? Take it, take it one step further, but um, that's great advice. Yeah. So not everybody should be out there doing what you're doing, especially if you're not a people person and, and you're kind of more introverted. Um, so that makes sense. Um, so, being a guy that's that's traveling all the time, I think you just got back from Asia, right? Or Taipei or something like that. Yeah, I was just in Taipei. I'm in Florida today and then I'm back in Japan in a week. So <laughs> Yeah, so that's crazy. So um tell me what you're seeing out there on the road. What's yeah. going on out in the world? 
It's it's interesting, man. It's interesting. Um, I just spent my first month and a half in Asia. I haven't done, or I mean, excuse me, Europe. So I haven't done Europe before uh, this year. And it's interesting to see the different like subcultures. So we have the U.S. where uh, people are pretty passionate about it, but they're very much passionate passionate about it from the trading standpoint. You know, there are people that are building companies here, which is really really cool. Uh, but if you go to a crypto conference in the U.S., um, it's much much more low key, right? It's not packed. It's not really full, like full with people. Um, there are people always trying to sell you stuff, but it's not like uh, it's not like the event to be at. But if you go to Asia, man, it's fucking crazy. Like Taiwan, I was just there for ABS Summit, uh, hosted by my good friend Andrew, and uh, they have everyone there. You know, like CZ's there, Arthur Hayes is there, Noriel's there, all the CNBC guys are there, and it's like. A hyped event you know you walk in there and there are like 300 people in one like small room watching uh like walking through looking at booths there's another 500 upstairs you know there's another 200 in, in the lobby like having conversations um it's exciting it's exciting it's it's uh it's it's that's i think the thing that, that i can really say is it's literally exciting it feels like you're in in a new environment and why, why do you think that is so different than what we see in the U.S.? Is it because the U.S. is um, kind of kicking all this stuff offshore or they're just more in tune? They, maybe they see a need for the technology more. What do you, what do you think about that? That's a good question, man. Um, I think Asia sees the potential of the industry more, in my opinion. Uh, there's a lot more people trying to build things. There's a lot more people trying to create things. Uh, it's really where the hub is, you know, when I like when I go there, I'm always hanging out with my buddies from Europe. I'm always hanging out with my buddies from the US. It seems like everybody seems to congregate uh, in Asia. And I think I think it's like specifically like they are like the Silicon Valley for crypto. Yeah. I did an event with uh, Max Kaiser. He was in LA a, a week ago. I don't know if you, I'm sure you probably saw that. Um, and he was saying, uh, you know, people were asking him and they said, he said, you know, probably the US might be the last place to see real adoption because we had the least need for it. Yeah. Uh, people in the US think we don't need the problem. We, know, we don't need a solution for privacy or I don't need a different money. Whereas other countries, they see this every day, right? Their currencies are crashing, their money's being stolen. Um, so do you, is, is that kind of what you see when you're out there? You kind of get that sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely agree with that, that sense. You know, um, it's not necessarily like the topic of conversation at these conferences, though, right? So it's not like, how do we solve remittance or how do we solve these major issues when you're at a crypto conference? Uh, it's more talking about the technology. People are always trying to shill you something. Um, but it, it's not necessarily in those conversations, but I could see that as a potential reason for these solutions, you know, specifically like here in, in the U S like the ma matter of fact is like people are starting to learn that like they're, that the money is, is, is not good. You know, that the inflation is, is occurring um, that they're starting to learn about privacy and all these different things, but they don't care specifically in my opinion, because uh, they haven't had a reaction to what these things can do or the, the potential damage has not like even like hit them. So they really can't even like conceptualize uh, the potential of what might happen. Right. So then you, you just spent, like you said, a month and a half in Europe, obviously a lot of time in the U.S. and now Asia. So do you feel that Asia is really kind of the hotbed right now? That's like the hot area to be? Asia's, Asia's number one, not even a question. You know, Singapore, Hong Kong, specifically Korea, South Korea, Seoul is like absolutely always popping. There's a big event coming up in Singapore sometime soon, isn't there? 
Yeah, Singapore Consensus will be in, in September. I'll be out there for that. And then right afterwards is Korea Blockchain Week. Yeah, I might need to get into that one. I haven't been, I haven't been over to Asia and I'm definitely missing out on that. Come with us, bro. Come with us. So, um, so you're, so you're out there, you're seeing, like you said, there's a lot more people at these conventions, a lot more companies there exhibiting at the conventions. Um, are you seeing any kind of trends? Um, I think, you know, we've seen like a bunch of, you know, new protocol layers that were faster. Um, now I see some, maybe the, like some new int in interest in maybe, um, identity and privacy, but what are you seeing as far as like uh, trends out there right now? Right now, like there isn't a super definitive one trend, you know, like last year, 2017 leading into 18, like it was just protocol season. Like literally everyone was re releasing yeah. a fucking protocol like every week, you know, like yeah. this does a hundred thousand transactions per second and all this bullshit. Um, what I do see and what the main trend is, is every single person who I talk to um, has built something and it's fucking cool. Like I, I've not been shilled like one ICO or one IEO at consensus this year or in Taiwan. Everybody that's come up to me to like shill me something has been, Hey, we've built this. We have this working product. What do you think? And to me, like, like it's such an upgrade from 2017 and 2018, like when where I, it was like, just a white paper, just an it idea. Was a, it was a white paper and it was people literally coming up to me and being like, Hey man, like, can you help me pump this token? I'm just like, no, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So people are much more technology focused and much more like product focus. Yeah. So, uh, that, that was interesting to hear you say, uh, you know, all the BS and the faster transactions and whatnot, you know, coming from the 2017 space where you were a trader and you were, you were making money or trading against all these, these, uh, protocols. And I think back then, there was a lot of thought of maybe these protocols could take off. Um, now you call it BS. So has your vision changed a little bit? How you look at the industry, the assets, and maybe specifically protocol layers? No, I mean, I think that they're all, all have potential, right? I think that a lot of them have, in 2017, 2018 specifically, I don't think we see it as much anymore, but they utilize specific language to hype their product up without having something to back it up. Um, you know, there was many people claiming ridiculous transactions per second, uh, claiming like ridiculous partnerships that weren't actually really true. Yeah. Uh, and it was specifically to manipulate the price of their coin in order for them to make more money. Yeah. Um, and it, it's whether it's good, whether it's bad, it happened. Uh, I see less of it now, which is good. Um, and, and my perspective is still the same, to be honest with you. Like my perspective is like, we're in an emerging market in a normal, like normal industry, 95% of startups fail in an emerging market. I, I would even imagine it's probably hired 98, 99% of these startups sure. are going to fail. So like anyone that's like investing like in the stuff or trading it, they have to realize that you have to look at it from that perspective. Um, and I don't give a shit how fucking cool your coin sounds, how good the CEO talks on camera, how good like the potential uh, points are. Like if you're holding anything besides Bitcoin long term, it's a gamble. <laughs> so uh, that, that, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you on that. We'll, we'll jump into that in a second, but I'm just, I was just going to say, you know, for me, my vision of the industry has changed from 2017 to 2019. Um, and really just in a sense where like, you know, in 2017, everything was open and now the market has matured. So like today, like I just don't like, Oh, you're a new protocol layer and you have a million transactions. I don't really care. Like that's I, I, at this point, I don't think that's enough. Um, it seems like the people who are in the protocol race today are going to be the winners. Um, you know, and, and now we're starting to see, I think 
the next stage of the evolution, which is now building more of like the infrastructure and the on-ramps and, and, and whatnot, is now building on top of those protocol layers. So I'm curious, you know, you're seeing a bunch of companies, what are they building on past protocol layers? I mean, it seems like still people are building on Ethereum. Are you seeing EOS? Are you seeing Cosmos? Like what's, what, what are people building on? Yeah, gaming has been really focused on EOS. You know, a lot of the games that I'd like talk talk with, they're, they're building on the EOS uh, protocol. Uh, Ethereum is still number one, man. You know, everybody can hate on Ethereum, uh, the fact that it's not scalable yet and all of these different things. But Ethereum is still number one. Uh, people are building on Ethereum and they're consistently building on Ethereum. Don't you, um, think, uh, don't you think the scaling... Um, narrative is kind of dead or should be kind of dead right like i i feel like uh i feel like all the scaling for bitcoin and ethereum happens on layer two and side chains and whatnot like can't you do loom like you know i'm you know loom you can create a dpos side chain and that could run just like eos right like uh i don't know yeah i don't i don't i don't know much about loom specifically but i do think like the concept of like oh it's not scalable is kind of bullshit Right. Um, one, because we don't even have uh, the the volume that's necessary for scalability yet. Like right now, it would work completely fine to just run it like run on Ethereum. Yeah, maybe if we have another CryptoKitty situation, yes, we need to have a, a much more scalable solution. But the matter of fact is like that was during the most hyped period of crypto. And it showed us that that's a problem and that it'll be, a, it'll be an issue if we don't solve it in the future. But like from my personal opinion, I think you build things and as you build them, they get better. So once you have maybe 100 users on the platform, you're going to need to scale to 150. Once you find the scalability for 150, you get 150 on. It's something that takes time. It's something that builds. It's not like something that all of a sudden, like you're going to have Ethereum's fully 100% scalable immediately right off the bat. And then a million users come on and instantly need to use it. Like, I just don't think that's how things work. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's why I just think that the, the whole scaling argument is just, it worked in 2017. I just don't see it as, as much today, which is why maybe I'm not as excited in new protocol layers when all they're trying to say is they're faster, right? Um, so I was just curious. Um, the video game space is something that is growing pretty big. Uh, are you, you're seeing a lot of that out there? Uh, I have been talking to more and more game companies recently. Yeah. I was just, uh, I just was out in Vegas the last two days, just did a little midweek getaway with the wifey. And, um, it was just interesting to see, like, I mean, Vegas is just so big and it's just like all like old school gambling. And, and then it's all like mostly walking to the casino. It's all just still slot machines and it's just old people sitting there. Yep. And I couldn't help but have this conversation with my wife. She goes crazy. Cause I just always talk to her about this stuff and we're at the pool and I'm just like, you can see the whole skyline. I'm just like, look at all this. It's like, it's all like old though. Like this is all old people, right? Like new people don't care about hitting the slot machine button. I just can't, can't help but think how like e-gaming or e-sports is just going to just take that whole, just wipe that whole thing out maybe. Yeah, man. I think e-gaming is huge, dude. I really do. Um, I haven't studied it enough to like be like super educated on the subject, but e-gaming is big. And personally, like what I'm really bullish on is I'm really bullish on like NFTs. Um, I think NFT gaming and SFT gaming is going to be fucking massive. Yeah. So uh, when you talk about NFT, so for people that don't know, uh, non-fungible tokens, right? So NFT gaming, meaning that um, I can earn things in the game that I can keep and control and own on my own. And then those could be transferred out of the game and my value that I could use somewhere else. Exactly. I mean, like the best example, like when I was a kid, 
Pokemon was the fucking shit, right? Like, and if you had like a, like even now you have a first edition Charizard, my buddy's collecting first edition Charizard. So at least he's trying to, they're like $70,000 now. They're ridiculously expensive. So the con, but the concept is that is the only one that is in existence. And there's one of maybe there's like 50 of them ever made in existence. Now imagine you utilize that and you put it onto a digital platform where you can open card packs online and each card actually has a digital signature to it that makes it completely unique from the rest. And then you can play uh, Pokemon or whatever the game is with someone who's across the world uh, utilizing the cards that you just opened from a pack. It'd be like taking my entire childhood of, of, of these card games and moving it into a digital atmosphere that allows me uh, to play without borders. And I think that is like, I think it's the, like, realistically, I think it's the way like adoption should be like really occurring first. And I think it's a fucking trillion dollar industry. Yeah. Um, it, I think all this is kind of the same, right? So it seems like this, this is, it's all about value. So if I'm playing that video game, I'm creating value and I should be able to keep that value and transfer it over. But it's also all these other tokens are kind of the same where it's like um, unlocking value out of all these silos. I was kind of explaining to my wife how, uh, you know, it'd be no different than using my airline reward points or, you know, we were at the casino, you know, in Vegas, like I could take those reward points and then we could interchange those. And so whether that be reward points or whether that be in video games, it's always about us being sovereign, having the sovereignty to own our value and transfer that value around. Um, so that's really cool. I think uh, we'll have to see if the video game uh, makers will get on board with that though, right? That's going to be a big hurdle. I know, man. I like, I want to talk to Pokemon about it, to be honest with you. I just want to be like, dude, you guys need to fucking create this like right now. Um, because then, then you have a whole new atmosphere. You have a whole new gaming platform and a whole new way that people can like trade and, and get excited about their games again. You know, I don't give a shit about Pokemon cards anymore, but maybe I would if it was on my phone. Yeah. It's interesting to watch. Um, you know, I, I love to study history. And if you look at, if you look at history, you can kind of tell the future and we can look at like how the music industry transformed and even the movie industry. So when the VCR first came out, Disney was super scared to let their movies go out on, on, on VCR, uh, or VHS because you know, how are the, how are people going to go to the movie theaters? And then in the music industry, kind of the same way that whole deal over streaming music, well, who's going to buy the albums anymore? but they always find a new way. And I see the video game industry in the same place today, which is, well, if we don't keep people locked in, how we make money. Yeah. But I think the evolution is just like the music industry. They'll find another way. And uh, whoever jumps on it first, like you're saying, I think is going to be the big winner there. Agreed. Now um, you had made a comment a little while, uh, a little bit back where you said that uh, maybe everyone should just buy and hold Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I mean, I'm not a big Bitcoin maximalist by any means, right? Like I really believe that a lot of these companies have potential. Uh, I work with a lot of these companies and it's not just potential of the idea and like the new implement, implementation of technology, but it's the, the potential of the people, you know? Uh, I think that's what changed for me a lot in, from 2017 and 2018 to like now is the fact that I've been meeting these companies in person. I've been talking to them face to face and you get a whole different sense of what's going on when you talk to them 
besides when you read a web white paper and look at a website. It's a completely different understanding of what they're trying to do. It's a completely different energy because you actually get to tell whether they're passionate about it or not. You actually get to see their emotions. Um, so what I'm getting at is by no means am I a Bitcoin maximalist. I do believe a lot of these have potential, but I also believe that if you stick to one specific project that's not Bitcoin, you say this is the future, you're gambling. You don't right. know that. No one knows that. Uh, like I said earlier, like probably 98 to 99% of these companies are going to fail. Um, and if you really believe in something that heavily, like that's, that's fucking commitment. I applaud you on that. But I just don't believe that anything is guaranteed to be a lot around for the next 10 years besides Bitcoin. Yeah, definitely. Well, Bitcoin has 10 years of history. So the longer it's around, the more likely it will, will continue to be around. And I would say, you know, again, the industry has changed. And so um, if people did want to get into these smaller plays, they need to understand the risks that are there and they need to allocate their portfolios appropriately. So a bigger percentage should definitely be in the safer stuff like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then make sure, you know, these moonshots that you're taking with these small companies are a small portion of your, portion of your allocations. Agreed. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent agreed. I mean, I've definitely, I've got probably more than I should in, in some altcoins, you know, like, I mean, 10%, you know what I mean? Like is, is in some, some altcoin plays, 10 to 15% is in some altcoin plays that like, I actually like have spoken with the teams. Uh, I've interviewed them. Um, I have spoken with the community and based upon all of these different factors that I've looked at, obviously the technology that they're attempting to build, based upon these different factors that I, I looked at, I, I can see like, wow, this has potential. Uh, yeah, I might lose all this fucking money, but I'm willing to bet that amount of money that they will do something cool. Now, you're obviously, as we talked about, you're on the move, you're out there, you're talking to these companies, you're meeting with these companies, you're even going to their facilities and meeting their teams, but the average person isn't able to do that. So um, what kind of due diligence could somebody do on their own? I mean, the fact is, the fact is, yeah, like one, obviously read the website, white paper, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is like, you should be able to contact almost every single CEO in this industry. Uh, unless you're like, unless it's Charles Hawkinson or, or someone like Justin's son, you know, you're not probably not gonna be able to get on a one-on-one -on -one phone call with them because they're fucking doing their own thing. They've already got big, uh, big money and, and all this other stuff. But if you're talking about uh, uh, under uh, top 50 coin, um, some even in the top 50, you will be able to get these people on the phone with you. Um, you just got to like be persistent. You got to go on their telegram. You got to talk to their team members, ask the team uh, uh, if you can jump on a quick interview with them. You know, you, you, you have to like ask, just ask and continue to ask, uh, obviously without being uh, a pestering asshole, but you get, you get the point. Like this is an accessible industry. These people are, are not, uh, uh, sitting there on a high chair with a billion dollar company at least yet. So right. you might, you might as well do your best to, to get on conversations, get on phone calls with these people. Yeah. It's your money. Take it seriously. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if you're, if you're like really serious about it, like go meet the company in person. Like, yeah, yes, it's, it's not going to be free. You know, I paid for almost, I paid pretty much every single trip, uh, leading up to the end of 2018. And just now am I starting to get covered on some of my flights and expenses and accommodations? Um, and 
still very rarely, but I paid for all of those times that I went to Shanghai to interview VeChain, to uh, interview uh, HPB, like all of these different major companies. I paid to go visit them, one, because I wanted to learn more about what they were doing and things like that, uh, but two, because I knew it would provide value to the community, which was a whole other topic, it was a unique proposition that I took to, to, to build what I was building. But like, if you're really that passionate about uh, like, VeChain, I'm sure that if you sent them an email or five emails or 10 emails, eventually someone's going to respond and say, yeah, sure. Come over to Shanghai, meet us in person, have a tour of our office. Sure. Yeah. And if you're, if you're going to invest enough money to make that worth it, then you definitely should consider that. Um, yeah, exactly. good stuff. All right. So um, what's next for Nye? Where, where can people keep an eye on you? Where are you going to be at? Um, I mean, I'm going to be traveling a lot. I think I'm in like five, 10, maybe 15 more countries this year. So that'll be fun. Wow. Um, yeah, but keep an eye out for a couple of things, man. I got a couple little, I, I'm even going to drop stuff that people don't know about yet. So right. one thing that I've announced so far is I'm working on an app called coin dust, which I'm really, really excited about coin dust is, uh, it's, it's investing your spare change in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So in, in my opinion, it's going to be the easiest way that you can stack sats and, uh, and build up your long-term Bitcoin portfolio uh, without even thinking about it. So for example, you go to the store, uh, if you buy a water bottle for $1.50, it's gonna take, it's gonna charge $2 and it's gonna take the extra 50 cents, it's gonna immediately invest it in Bitcoin for you. Like, uh, um, like, like Acorns, but for crypto. Exactly the same thing as Acorns, but for crypto. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I think it's a really cool concept. I'm excited to to add that to my list of, of things that I'm building. How far uh, along is that? It's it's close, man. I think we'll have the the first version, the MVP, released probably by September uh, at the latest, probably October or November. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start testing it, I think, in late August, beginning September, and hopefully get the first version out by end of September is the goal. All right, cool. Yeah, that's exciting. And then um, this is something I have not announced yet, so you get the, I'll just share it with you and, and with, with boom, here we go. Um, <laughs> I'm making an app called Bitmaps as well. Bitmaps oh. is pretty much going to be the weed maps for cryptocurrency. Uh, it's going to show you every single location where you can spend cryptocurrency, uh, every lo lo location uh, where you can uh, uh, find a Bitcoin ATM and, and buy cryptocurrency. Uh, and eventually we'll integrate events and, and other things into it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really the goal of Bitmaps. Dang. Yeah. And that should be, that, those are two good projects. Yeah. Thank you, man. I'm excited about both of them. That, that one should be out in the next like two, two and a half months, hopefully. Um, so it should be both releasing around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I like both of those. And, and you know, I, uh, what I, what I, what I like about both of those is like, those are those are like real world use cases that people could use should use right and and I think that's what the industry needs like we don't need a faster friggin protocol layer at this point and uh, yeah. and you don't need any more you don't need any dApps that like well, no one can download right and that was, that was what I was gonna say like uh, we don't we, like we don't need any more of these like pointless dApps like these are like real world things that people like I would use both of those like I should use both of those right and so uh that's what I like to see. Those are, those are things that I'd like to see more people thinking about and doing. Cause I think that's, what's really going to start pushing this space forward. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I, I'm, I'm an idea guy, right? I like to create ideas. Uh, I'm good at like marketing and things like that. But the matter of fact is there's a huge fucking, uh, uh, 
uh, barrier or even not even a barrier. It's just a huge gap between people that are in the crypto industry and people that want to get involved with the crypto industry. And there's nobody that's focused on building solutions to fill that gap or to create a bridge for that gap. Uh, and that's what I'm really hoping that these two solutions do as well as some other content that I have coming out. Like I'm really hoping to bridge that gap, create better education, but really create a simpler on-ramp specifically with Coindust, create a, the simplest on-ramp as possible for people to buy cryptocurrency and to own their part of their first Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. Good. All right. Great. Well, um, so people I'm sure now are going to want to keep up on that. Where's the best way just to follow you on Twitter? Yeah, follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you want to sign up for Coindust, you can uh, be one of the first people that'll get it on the website, coindustapp.com. Um, but yeah, man, just follow me on Twitter and uh, you'll, you'll see me tweeting about shit all day. And of course, check out his Evolvement podcast if you're not already listening to that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate yeah. that. Yes. Shout out to that as well. Great. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Hopefully everybody got some good value out of it and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you. Hey, if you like this episode of the Market Disruptors podcast, please help us take this to the top of the podcast charts. Just please do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Taking 15 seconds to just leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us reach more people and disrupt more markets. I really appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time on the Market Disruptors podcast.